Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? Well, I pray, I pray always that you're doing well and trusting God who is on his throne. He doesn't leave his throne and nothing happens that he does not permit. Again, it may not be his uh, doing his will, but he has permitted evil since the garden. It's a great, great mystery. Um, And one of the great puzzling yet magnificent lines that we'll hear at the Easter Vigil again every year is, oh, happy fault. What do you mean, happy fault that plunged the world into sin? How could it be a happy fault? And the rest of that line says that brought us such a great redeemer. You know, without sin... um, there would be no save. We we wouldn't have a savior. We wouldn't know of a savior. He would still be God, but um, we wouldn't understand our need for him. And that's why he gave the law. Um, and the Hebrew people couldn't keep it. And the law was holy and righteous and good because it came from a God who is holy and righteous and good. But they couldn't keep it. So they made up a few hundred laws that they could keep. And that's not what God intended. Um, uh, God intended them to know that he was holy and righteous and good, and they are not, and that they need a redeemer because they cannot keep the law. So instead of admitting they could not keep the law, they broke the law and made up their own rules, even to this day, even to this day. Um, and uh, and so with us um, who uh, have the great... Uh, unbelievable gift of knowing the Savior, of knowing we are sinners, of knowing how much we need God to save us because we cannot save ourselves. We can cooperate with God. We can receive the free gift of grace. We can refuse it because a gift can be refused. Um, But those of us who know that apart from him, we can do nothing, nothing of eternal value, nothing to get us to heaven apart from him. Um, We are the most graced and privileged and blessed people on the face of the earth. And what we cannot do, especially in these days, is keep that to ourselves. We cannot keep it to ourselves. I think, uh, no, I know that our time um, for um, uh, evil to increase is now. It is increasing. It's going to increase a lot more. And um, I think we're going to live through some times we couldn't even imagine before. We've read of them, that nobody could buy or sell or do anything without the mark of the beast. Well, we're talking about now, not we, but news, uh, a chip that will be implanted in everyone. uh, And it's the only way we could buy or sell or be identified and be traced and uh, basically be robots. Um, 
and it's happening. It's like Twilight Zone, I think, but it's happening in our day, and it may not happen. I don't know how long I'll live. I've asked God to let me live 500 years. I really, really mean that. I want to do that, um, but uh, because I want to have lived forever just to tell everyone who doesn't know of Christ, I want to tell them of him and his church, his one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Um, I don't uh, anticipate God is going to let me live to 500, um, at least to not be functional. So um, we we don't have time. We don't have time. And I've told the little story before, uh, written in C.S. Lewis, I believe, uh, Mere Christianity. No, no, it's, is it Mere Christianity? No, it's not. Um, it's I don't even know if it's C.S. Lewis, but I read it so many years ago of the devil who tries to imitate God in every way. So he sends his two disciples out to, um, to give everybody uh, a lie. And he sends them out and says, you need to tempt them. You need to turn them from God. Uh, they need to worship me. And I don't even care. Satan says, if they don't worship me, as long as they don't worship God. And so he sends them out and they come back and they say to him, two little junior disciples, and they say, we told him, we told him there was no God, we told him, and he said, no, 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 you don't get it, that, that's, that they know there's a God, they believe, these are Catholics, these are Christians, what are you, you're not going to, that's not going to move them, go try again, so they went out. <clears throat> and they said, they came back and they said, we told him the Bible wasn't God's word. We told him, don't trust it, it's made of man. And he said, no, 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 you're talking about real Christians, believers. They know the Bible's God's word. You're not going to fool them that way. Would you put on your thinking caps and, and go out again? So they went out a third time and they came back and they said to Satan, the, the father of lies, their father, um, we told them there's time. He said, you got it now. Now you got it. Tell them there's time. Because there's no time. Tell them there's time. They don't, they won't, they'll relax. The neighbor's dying and going to hell. They won't, you know, there's time. I'll tell them next year, maybe. Uh, I'll tell them when the time is right. I'll, uh, you know, maybe I'll pray for them that someone will come and tell them. It, there's no time. There's no time. If you're in a room and, in the, and it's on fire uh, you, and you're shy and you say, I'm not an evangelist. I can't, I'm not outspoken. I can't tell anyone. I, I you, they'll die. And you'll say, it won't be my fault. And I'll say, oh, yes, it will. Because you knew the way out of the room. And they didn't. And you could have led them to the door. And you didn't. You are accountable. And the same thing with us, with the gospel, beloved. Christ is the door. He is the door of the sheep. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we know it. And how on earth can we withhold it from anyone else? There's a story of a missionary who went to China in the 1800s. And he brought them the gospel. And one of the head of one of their people, one of their groups said, how long have you known this? And the answer is almost 2,000 years at that point. Why did you wait so long to tell us? Why hasn't anybody come to tell us before? It's a very valid question. It's amazing, beloved. And we are indeed, uh, we are indeed accountable. We are given everything to give away. Um, we are stewards of the grace of God. And we cannot say, but I don't have this gift, I don't have that gift. God's not talking about gift. All he said is preach the gospel to every person. That's all. 
but I'm not, you know, what if they quote Bible verses and and I don't know them? Or what if they ask me questions I don't have the answer to? God didn't ask you to go to school and become a theologian or an apologist. He just asked you to preach the gospel to every creature. Well, what is that? What is that? What is it? Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Tell them about your own conversion or your own belief. He's God. I'm a sinner. We're born into original sin. We're all going to hell. If we die, if we leave the world the way we've come into it, in sin, we will be in hell and separated from God forever. But Christ came to save us, to bring us to heaven. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness. And the blood of animals and the sacrificial system that God gave the Hebrews couldn't ever save a soul. They were assigned to point to the true Lamb who one day, one day come and take upon himself the sin of the world. And Christ came to earth, God in human flesh, and took upon our sins and died on the cross as the Lamb of God, the only acceptable sacrifice for our sins. And he died for us, and he rose from the dead to give life to all who will come to him. And the only way of salvation is through him. There's no other way. And to go through Christ is to go through his church, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. It's not an invisible body of believers. It's a city set on a hill. And today, that city is an embarrassment to the world because the hierarchy and Catholics... uh, clergy are disgracing the Catholic faith all over the world. But beloved, even if you're Protestant, don't say, see, I told you the Pope was the Antichrist. I told you the Catholic Church was a man-made system. No, no, you're wrong. The reason it's being so attacked is because it is the true church, and Satan knows that. And as Pope Paul VI said the last century, the smoke of Satan has entered the church because it is the church, the church Christ established and promised to lead into all truth till the end of time. And he will, because the Catholic Church is perfect. It is without sin, because it is Christ. It is his body. The members are doing a pretty bad job of living up to their calling. But it is the church that Christ established. It will last till the end of time. And there's no other name under heaven says Luke in the book of Acts, by which we must, 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 must be saved. That's Jesus Christ. And you can no longer, you cannot separate Christ from his church. We are his body. He is the head, not metaphorically, but absolutely, truly. And if you read the scriptures, that in the end times, faith will grow cold, men's hearts will go cold, bishop against bishop, uh, even the elect, um, if possible, we'll lose the faith. And it's possible, because they're losing the faith. And unless they repent, they will also be in hell. It's a, it's a, it's been the message for um, 4,000 years, really, since the Garden of Eden. It's been the message, 6,000 years since the Garden. It's been the message of salvation. Repent and believe the gospel, the good news. And prior to Christ, if people obeyed God, um, they would be saved by the cross the same way people 2,000 years after the cross would be saved by believing in the Savior. 
by believing in the Savior, um, the only Savior, the only way for you to be in heaven with God. And if you say, well, I don't believe in heaven, you have the freedom to not believe in heaven. But if you're not in heaven, the only other option is hell. It's not annihilation. It's hell. We'll be right back, dear ones. Come to the St. Thomas More House of Prayer and discover the prayer that will change your life. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer is a Catholic retreat center dedicated to praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours, the prayer of the Church. The Liturgy of the Hours is prayed each day, starting with the Office of Readings at 5.30 a.m. and ending with night prayer at 8 o'clock p.m. So whether you're an individual or a group, schedule your visit today. Go to liturgyofthehours.org or call 814-676-1910. That's 814-676-1910. We would love to help you experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change your life. beloved, this is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Don't let it be said, my dear friends, that you are not praying and sacrificing for souls, especially those in your own family, your loved ones, your beloveds, your friends, your relatives. We must pray. We can't even imagine people losing their souls in hell for all eternity. How could anybody even imagine that? Think about it. And then you'll pray more and more. That's Sermons for Everyday Living weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, we are... Um, we haven't even got back to This is the Faith by Canon Ripley, but we're going to now, and the section we're on is the sources of faith and first the scriptures. And um, that's what we were speaking about with uh, Satan's disciples, uh, their temptation to people to say, number one, there's no God. And he said, forget that one. Uh, they know there's a God. And secondly, we told them that the, the scriptures aren't true. They're man-made. And he said, no, they know they're true. And the third, he said, there's time. And he said, now you got it. There's no time. But secondly, the middle one was to tempt people to think that the scriptures are man-made and not the very word of God. And there are many who, who believe that, uh, many Catholics even, uh, and others who call themselves Christians who don't believe that the, the, the Bible is the authoritative, inerrant word of God. It's not the only authority. The church is the authority. And uh, the magisterium, tradition, and the scriptures. 
<clears throat> as the Apostle Paul says in Second Thessalonians 2.15, um, that they need to be faithful to the words spoken to them, whether uh, orally or written. And so we're right at the point um, in Canon Ripley's book, This is the Faith, to say the Gospels are true history. The writers actually say that they are writing history, not fiction. St. Luke, for instance, begins his Gospel like this, quote, for as much excuse me, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a narration of the things that have been accomplished among us according as they have delivered them to us from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, end quote. The style of the evangelists is full of assurance. The facts they relate are confirmed by non-Catholic historians, particularly Josephus, and moreover, and Josephus wasn't a Christian, Jewish historian, not a Christian. Moreover, the findings of archaeologists entirely support the gospel story. For example, recent research, and this is now um, uh, less recent than when the book was written, which I think is last century, Recent research has proved that St. Luke was perfectly correct in stating that during the mission of John the Baptist, Lysanias was tetrarch of Abilina. The gospel writings breathe sincerity. There is not the slightest evidence of any intention on the part of the writers to deceive. Deception would profit them nothing. They record humiliating as well as glorious events in Christ's life even when they have to report themselves as being blameworthy. They do so without excuse or palliation. They depict themselves as lacking in understanding. And if you have this book, This is the Faith, you'll see it's supported by all, kind, all manner of scripture from the four Gospels. They depict themselves as lacking in understanding, as being ambitious and jealous as wanting in faith and courage, and as being rebuked by Christ. Most noteworthy of all, they gave their lives in defense of the truth which they had written. That's quite a point, isn't it? Why would I give my life for a lie? Many wouldn't even give it to the truth. But why for a lie? It is impossible to suppose that the evangelists were themselves deceived. They were in a position to know the truth. Matthew and John were eyewitnesses of the events they relate. Mark was the secretary to St. Peter and had St. Peter's evidence. And Luke had that of St. Paul and the other apostles. Plus, he was a close friend of the Blessed Mother. In fact, there's a particular magnificent icon of Our Lady and uh, her divine son holding him that is uh, said to be painted by St. Luke. The first icon ever, ever written was by St. Luke. They were not overly credulous. Um, in the spirit of the times, they did not expect a spiritual messiah but one who would establish a temporal kingdom and free Israel from the power of Rome. Because of this, 
they quarreled about who would have the highest places in the new kingdom. Even if they had been too credulous, their evidence would easily have been corrected by the many eyewitnesses who saw the events about which they wrote. And after all these, this time, beloved, the Gospels are still complete, and they are unchanged. It has already been stated that it would be possible to piece together almost the whole of the Gospels from quotations appearing in the works of the earliest Christian writers. Those quotations are from the Gospels as we know them today. Copies of the originals of these works are still extant and date back to the 4th and 5th centuries. Their text is substantially the same as that which we use. Further, the most ancient translations, the Latin and Syriac of the 2nd century, the Coptic of the 3rd, and the Gothic and Armenian versions of the 4th and 5th centuries lead to the same conclusion. It is, too, a matter of history that the Church has always guarded the sacred books most carefully and rejected anything save what was inspired. And beloved, in the 4th and 5th centuries, it was the Catholic Church, bishops and popes, who put together the canon of Scripture. There were no Protestants. It was the Catholic Church, um, councils of Hippo and Carthage, that put together the canon of Scripture. And it was Martin Luther um, in the 16th century that single-handedly took out seven, more than seven books of the Old Testament and wanted to throw out a few of the new, uh, and people stopped him. Um, uh, the, the, um, our Lord, who wrote the scriptures through the power of the Holy Spirit, um, superintended upon men, the apostles, um, is the one who said that he would lead us into all truth until the end of time, and the same Holy Spirit that guided the writing of the scriptures has kept them intact through all these years. The Bible, indeed, is the inspired, that is, God-breathed, is the inspired word of God. The Catholic Church has always regarded the Bible as the inspired word of God, and she, the Church, the Bride of Christ, she demands that all her children accept the Bible as such. The scriptures themselves frequently claim to be divine in their origin. In both the Old and New Testaments, there are passages which are described as coming from God. For example, uh, in Exodus, and the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in a book. And again, Write these words by which I have made a covenant both with thee and with Israel. And in the New Testament, Jesus Christ himself says that David himself saith by the Holy Ghost, the Lord said to my Lord. And in that, um, he was quoting Isaiah. And um, that's also recorded, that statement in Mark. In St. Matthew's Gospel, we find our Lord telling the Jews that God was speaking to them through what they were accustomed to read in the Scriptures. And he says in the Gospel of Matthew, Have you not read that which was spoken by God? Again, Jesus himself refers to the Old Testament writings as a certain proof that his mission was divine and as a final court of appeal to convince the Jews. 
In the Gospel of John, our Lord says, Search the Scriptures, for you think in them you have life everlasting, and the same are they that give testimony of me. They search the Scriptures to find God and life, and it's the Scriptures that speak of him. And when Jesus and the disciples were speaking, um, the Gospel writers, the disciples, the Paul and everyone was speaking of the scriptures. The New Testament, beloved, wasn't written yet. The only scriptures were the Old Testament. And what he's saying is that every word of the Old Covenant speaks of him. And I'll, I'll go beyond every piece of furniture in the tabernacle, every feast, uh, everything in the Old Testament points to Christ. Everything is assigned to him. The Aaronic priesthood, Aaron's priesthood points to the true high priest, and so forth. Jesus is the new Moses. Matthew says, How then shall the scriptures be fulfilled, that so it must be done? And John says, The words of scripture cannot be broken. About 150 times um, the expression, the scripture says, or its equivalent occurs, clearly attributing to the scripture's divine authority. The scripture says is is comparable to saying God says. Nor is this true of only small portions of the Old Testament. Our Lord expressly refers to all that was written of him in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms. And that's the way the Jewish people all called, uh, referred to as the Old Testament because it wasn't old before the New Testament. The Old Covenant wasn't old until the New Covenant came in and our Lord fulfilled uh, the Old Covenant and brought in the New. So it was never referred to as it talked to a Jewish person about the Old Testament. There is no such thing. There is the Tanakh which is the combined law of Moses, which is the first five books, the prophets and the Psalms. The clearest statement of the inspiration of the scriptures, however, is to be found in St. Paul's second epistle to Timothy. Quote, all scripture, again, he's speaking of the Old Testament. There was no New Testament, but it, it does refer to the New Testament once it is written. All scripture, inspired of God, is profitable to teach, to reprove, to correct, to instruct in justice. And again, the following line of scripture in Timothy says that the man of God may be equipped, complete for every good work. Canon Ripley says, nevertheless, even though these texts from scripture are exceeding clear, exceedingly clear, they cannot possibly be our main proof that the Bible is the inspired word of God. To regard them as such would be to argue in a vicious circle. Consider also the fact that the Bible is infinitely superior to all other sacred books, that the most searching criticism has proved it to be always historically accurate, and that is obviously supernatural in character. But even these facts are not the principal criteria for determining the inspiration of the sacred books. And we will tell you uh, the principal criteria of that. We'll keep you in suspense till tomorrow, but many of you know what that is. Um, 
There's the music for our break, beloved. And we will come back right after the break to take your calls, your texts, your emails. Um, and toll free, the um, number is one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. We'll be right back. Are you holding on to an old car or truck because you think dealers won't want it? Then consider donating it to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. This is a great way to turn your unvalued vehicle into a powerful gift for Catholic Radio. You'll be taking part in our evangelization efforts to continue spreading Christ's love throughout the world. Our Lord uses Catholic Radio to draw more people to Himself, and one of the best ways to support the Station of the Cross is by contributing to our vehicle donation program. The process is safe and simple. Your generosity will greatly benefit our mission to bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners. To find out more or to donate your vehicle today, visit thestationofthecross.com or call 1-866-628-CARS. That's the stationofthecross.com or 1-866-628-2277. Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. Another woman has died from so-called safe and legal abortion in New York City. Complications from the abortion required a 37-year-old woman to be transferred to a hospital where she later died after bleeding heavily. We are talking here about legal clinics, not back alleys. Making abortion legal did not make it safe. And the sooner the public understands that, the better. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. Help bring many more people closer to our Lord by letting them know about Catholic Radio. One of the simplest ways to promote Catholic Radio is by displaying a bumper magnet on your car. Order your free bumper magnets at thestationofthecross.com. We'd be happy to send bumper magnets for your listening area so that others can come to know the Lord. That's thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for sharing Catholic Radio on the road. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I've said so often, this is our half hour together in my favorite part of the program. I love it when you call in and you text and you email um, that we can communicate in some way. Um, I'm, I'm very happy to be with you, and I'll just repeat the toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Um, during the last segment, uh, our friend Nellie called in. She's from Canada, and I know you're, you're probably listening, Nellie, and I, I give you a big hug through the air. Um, Ellie, uh, 
said Nellie is a very, very, she left her message, she's not on the line at the moment, but Nellie is a, a, a tremendously fervent, faithful Catholic and uh, is suffering like many are today with all these restrictions. And, and basically she said that she was banned from entering any church building, she says, because I refused to follow mandates. I was also assaulted, that is, punched and sworn at, by someone during Mass who tried to force me to wear a mask. Even further, I was kicked out of adoration and physically threatened by the priest, and I responded by telling him that I would not comply with his corrupt bishop. Can you please speak on this madness? And Nellie says, I contacted a lawyer, and this feels like my final straw with the Catholic Church. Nellie, I want to tell you straight uh, straight up from the beginning. I know what you're saying. I know what you're writing. I know what you're suffering. But I'm very surprised at your last sentence. That disheartens me no end, that it feels like your final straw with the Catholic Church. Nellie, beloved Nellie, and everyone listening, this is the beginning of, our Lord says, birth pangs. This is the beginning of persecution. It's not even um, halfway to what we're going to experience. This is only the beginning. Uh, I mentioned yesterday a father losing, um, uh, um, what's the word, a contact with his children because he's not vaccinated. Children taken, being taken out of the home. Um, these are awful times. They're unthinkable to us, but they're coming upon us. Um, and much worse than you're describing, Nellie, is coming upon us. And if we are not ready for persecution, if we will leave the church because of those who are not even believers, if we will turn from God because we're persecuted, persecuted by those who are turned from God, then that shows us that our faith is very little and very small and possibly not even real. I know you're fervent, Nellie. I know you believe. But if any, uh, anyone, anyone, bishop, the Pope himself, priests, parishioners, anyone would ever feel like the last straw that you would leave the Catholic Church, Nellie, there's something very wrong with your faith. You must not leave because when you leave the Catholic Church, you have left God. And there's no other way to, to heaven. There's no other way to salvation, Nellie. You cannot give in to emotions and to feelings and to insults. Um, every time you're persecuted, you should read a book called uh, Thy Kingdom Come. Uh, or thy, No, it's Thy Will Be Done by Daniel O'Connor. Thy Will Be Done by Daniel O'Connor. Every time you're persecuted, every time you're abused, every time you're denied something, just say in your heart, Thy Kingdom Come, Lord. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what you say. And you rejoice that you're his. You rejoice that you're his. And if you're going to let um, the Judases of the church send you away, um, then, Kelly, Nellie, you're, you're, there's something I, I need to say to you. Uh, the problem is not them. The problem is your faith. You cannot leave Jesus. You cannot leave Peter for Judas, someone said. You cannot do that. If it's your final straw, forget all the abuse, forget getting a lawyer, 
and go and sit before God in any church that doesn't know you and who will allow you in. And again, if there's a mask mandate, that's evil. That's evil. I I grant it to you. It's evil. But where I see a sign mask required, I wear it because I want to do business or go in or do whatever. And I don't make it an issue. I may disagree with it, but I'm not going to make it an issue. And if you are required to have a mask at church in Canada or in adoration and you want to worship God, my suggestion is wear a mask. And if you go in without a mask and you get away with it, great. But if the priest or parishioners are upset, uh, you carry a mask in your pocket and you put it on. You don't need to cause uh, upset during, uh, during mass or during adoration. Don't do that. Don't do that. They're not telling you to do something evil. Um, they're doing something that is not good, not healthy, not right, but it's not life-threatening uh, to you. And um, I would say just do it so that you could worship God and not cause a ruckus by others who are wrong-headed. So, Nellie, um, I sympathize with you for your faith, but I cannot sympathize with um, going against a mask mandate uh, in church or in adoration when you know they will put you out because of it and you will cause a stir. I don't think that's wise at all. Um, Find a place where you don't need a mask. And if you can, if you cannot, then know to go to mask, to go to church, to go to mass, to, to go to adoration in Canada, you need a mask. And and you know that if you will not give in to that, you're not giving in to evil on your own, you are not accountable, it's a simple mask. And if you won't do that, um, you are keeping yourself away from God, not they. They are not keeping you, dear Nelly. Um, if they say, take the vaccine or you can't go to church, that's another matter. Don't take the vaccine. If they won't let you in unless you have a vaccine card, then don't go in. That's a different matter. You're not going to do what is evil in order to gain what is good. But the mask, even though it's wrong, it's unless you are threatened in your health, um, I would just say wear it and let it go. Um, we will pray for you, Nellie. And um, again, uh, if you leave the Catholic Church, don't blame the mask. Don't blame... The vaccine, don't blame bishops who have gone astray. You, are the, you will be the only one to blame if you leave Christ for Judas. We have a call from John in Kentucky. Hello, John. Hey, Mother Miriam. How are you? Oh, I'm terrific. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. You know, when I started to see all these encores, I thought, oh, boy, uh, I guess Mother Miriam, but Mother Miriam might have to quit. And then I thought, no way, she's got no. perseverance. She'll no hang way. in there. No, I mean, if they don't put me on the air, that's one thing, but I will not quit. And station <laughs> the Station of the Cross, um, I would go right with them to heaven because they are absolutely faithful and fearless and orthodox, and they don't stir up trouble. They just speak the truth without compromise. Yeah, that- and I, I apologize to you, John, and for everyone else for all the encores we've needed. I truly, truly apologize for that. But we're trying to be uh, on every day from now on. 
Well, I'm just happy that you persevered, and I shouldn't have ever questioned the fact that you wouldn't have. <laughs> so oh, no, anyway, no, it's, it's okay, John. Go ahead, sweetheart. Uh, you know, I I, I, uh, I, I go to church militant every day. I watch the vortex. I'm, I, I do, I, too. I do, too. All the time. Yeah, and uh, I, I I really uh, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning this morning and I thought, oh, I can't go back to sleep. I want to see Bishop Strickland on the vortex, and, ah. and I, I I was just so happy that he went on the vortex. Blessed and, be God. And, I uh, haven't seen I, that. I haven't watched it yet today. <laughs> well, he talks about Jesus and the kingship of Jesus the whole mm-hmm. time. He's just that's it. He's just he's just fabulous, and the, mm-hmm. but the fact that he went on um, vortex uh, on church millet, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I've had whom I considered to be um, orthodox, uh, obedient priests say that they think that uh, church militant is not of God. Yeah. And it, it, it's just it's just blowing me away, and I've yeah. had, I've been in a lot of battles, and of course I've made up my mind. Um, I'm part of church militant. How can we not be part of the church militant? There right you now? go. So, mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, I, I was just wondering what you thought of him going on there. I think it's fantastic. I think Bishop Strickland going on Church Militant is absolutely fantastic and a, a tremendous encouragement to Michael Voris and the whole staff there. And it was Bishop Strickland who, when the bishops were meeting in Baltimore and Michael Voris had, uh, I don't know how many people out there praying, it was Bishop Strickland that alone that went over and prayed the rosary with them. He's a he's right. a He's a holy man of God. He's not fearless. He fears God and nothing else. So, um, beautiful right, bishop. A few times in the interview, a few, a few times in the interview, you will notice um, um, Bishop Strickland always says, listen, I'm nothing. I'm no one. And and, and that's what makes him great to me. Of course. He, he, understands that, he understands that in comparison to Jesus Christ, who is God, <clears throat> he's nothing. It's like in scriptures, he's a puff of smoke that's right we are nothing that's right and 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 he and and i've even heard him apologize for things before so i know i, I was, know i was you know I, true true humility is seeing things sanely it's being sane uh that is to not think more highly of yourself to not think lower of yourself just to see things as 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 god sees them and um, that's Bishop Strickland. He's a humble man. I personally also think that um, that's a great uh, virtue of Michael Voris as well, um, I, that he sees he's sane. When I want to hear things sanely, that is, as they are, uh, I can listen to Michael Voris because he, he does not compromise and he sees clearly what is evil. Right, exactly right. Um, mother, I, when I was on hold, I think that I, 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 I'm going to disagree with you for really the very first time. I well, well, I never. Okay, go ahead, John. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't wear a mask in 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 a church in Catholic church. I just won't do it. To me, it embarrasses me in front of Jesus. And me I neither, John. I have to wear a mask. 
No, this, see, this is the point. You, I won't wear a mask either. And you say you won't go in if you have to wear a mask. The difference with Nellie is that she goes in and won't wear a mask. That's the point. If, if, if I have to go to a church and it says mask required, I won't go. I'll find something else, somewhere else. But Nellie goes and causes a tremendous stir because she does go despite the mandate and causes a stir and they put her out. That's the difference. Okay, because well, now see, I, you're one hundred percent with me now. See that? Of, there you go. I always was. What do you think, <laughs> no, John? Work. If you ever Same disagree problem. with me, I want you to call in and tell me where I'm wrong. No, no. I, in fact, I wouldn't have said anything except I was on hold listening. I guess, I guess I misunderstood. Okay. God bless you, um, <laughs> you too, Mary, you, you, you were a huge influence in my conversion. Oh, blessed be God forever, dear John. God bless you, dear one, and a blessed Lent coming up to you. There's the music for our second break, or our third break, our last break. So again, uh, you'll have 10 minutes when we come back, dear ones. It'll be our last segment. And call in with anything on your heart at all, toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at We'll be right back. station of the cross we proudly bring the truths of the catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices and we're grateful for the feedback we've received catholic radio has just been a lifesaver for me i start my day with it i listen to it all day long as much as i can there's always people calling in with people who've lost children and i love everyone has to say and the advice of the catholic church and how to deal with suffering it has given me the strength to get through the day and to get out of bed each morning i am very grateful for it Catholic Radio to me has been very informative on my religion. It has informed me of many things that I wasn't aware of or should have been aware of, and I've enjoyed it very much listening to it. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us. Jim Havens here. I'm host of The Simple Truth, which airs every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. The focus of the show is authentically receiving, living, and handing on the simple truth of Jesus and his Catholic Church in a down-to-earth, no-nonsense manner. The guests are phenomenal, and each weekday has its own theme, always encouraging us to take the next step in our faith wherever we may be. It's The Simple Truth, every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. The Station of the Cross thanks our financial supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization not affiliated with your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we're able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. 
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have about 10 minutes, and our lines are wide open. Um, and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Again, the toll-free number, one 877 5483 or email at mother at com. We have a call from Christine from Texas. Hi, Christine. Good morning, Mother Miriam. How are you? Good. I'm wonderful, Christine. How are you? How are you yourself? I I uh, find myself at a state in life that I'm very depressed. Oh, I'm so sorry, um, Christine. Thank you. Um, I'm very thankful for you and, and your show and all that you do in prayer and, and all the works you do as well. Um, thank you. I I recently um, found out. Well, it's not too recent. It was last June that my um, husband had an addiction to pornography. And although he's adamant and, and has promised that he's not had any physical uh, interactions or anything, it was just um, visual, that um, I, I still find that my heart is just breaking daily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. I Prior Go to that, I had been uh, going to adoration because I sensed for a long time something was not right in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And this is an addiction that stemmed from uh, when he's a teenager. Okay. And, um, and finally he came to the truth of it, but he's failing to see the pain that I'm in and I don't know what to do. Okay. Um, did he come to you last June and tell you? No, I... Okay. I I found um, through social media that he was uh, searching others and looking at things, and uh, I disclosed to him that I wasn't happy with that, and then he figured it was the best to just admit to all of it, or he had assumed that I did know, and that's what I was talking about. I was, I was pretty vague, because was, I was shaky. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. But then he, um, then he told you the whole thing, right? He opened up to it. Yes, he opened up to it, but um, it was a trickle effect. I'm still receive. I have to ask and think about these things daily, and I'll ask him questions when I feel uh, like I have enough strength to. What and kind of questions? Honest. And he'll be honest, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, he'll be honest with as much as I understand that he's being honest. I don't have a lie detector, but I believe him. Um, and uh, just in regards to um, what how deep how the depth of the addiction how long it had stemmed for um and uh what media what what did he you know was it just the internet and or i worry because if there was uh, magazines and stuff like we have we have children we have four children and um but he but since july of last year he hasn't we put blockers on the computers and he hasn't and viewed anything he says he has no desire but i find myself since, very difficult. since july he has no desire so he has stopped his addiction yes he says he stopped but um 
following the October following it, I we had moved our children to a new school, Catholic school, and he started to observe a woman and would not remove his eyes away from her. And that was one of the issues that I had too, was womanizing. Well, a woman and in the uh, school? <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Did you talk to him about it? I did. I did. Yes. And what was his and response? He was, to admit, he was reluctant to admit it in the beginning, but as he seen I wasn't going to let up, he finally admitted that, yeah, he, he, he did that, and he it was sneak, sneaky about it. Well, and, he did uh, what? <clears throat> he just watched uh, her, or he, he did something sexual he with her? Yeah, that he stared. He, he, he stared for a long time, and he tried to place his head in the manner that I wouldn't be able to tell, like his head didn't move. Okay. So Christine. He, <clears throat> he what? He traced her with his eyes. Yes, I understand. <clears throat> Christine. <clears throat> I'm going to suggest a very hard thing for you. You are in pain because your husband doesn't know, you want him to know the pain you have been caused, right? Well, more so is I, I want him to, we're, he's my only one, I want us to heal together, and if so he just wants me to heal, then he's already healed. But yet... Okay. So Christine. Not that he's not. And I'm no, he, I understand. Um, you need to reverse your emotions. Not for your pain toward yourself, but pain toward him. Childhood addictions often come back in our adult life. And when a husband is honest enough and brave enough to admit that to his wife... The response should be um, a great deal of love and sympathy. Not personal, not taking it personally, not being hurt, not focusing, turning it on yourself that you're the victim. You're not the victim. He is the victim. And we need to understand how strong a hold addictions have on us. And we can, we can stop them for a while. <clears throat> We can overcome them through acts of our will, through God's grace, through programs, through other help, means of help. But they, they can haunt us the rest of our lives. And in certain periods of our life where our um, guards are down uh, or we're needy in some way, uh, we can be susceptible to them again. You, sweetheart, need to care more about your husband's pain and uh, his addiction than the effect it has on you. Um, uh, till death do you part. You, you suffer with one another. But um, don't be angry and don't have pity for yourself. Uh, all of that. And again, don't take it personally. Know that your husband has an addiction. And just like an alcoholic or anyone else with an addiction, they can be cured. And it could be 50 years that passes by, and all of a sudden, again, the guard could be down, or they could be suffering something. They can feel alone, they could feel worthless, and they can return to that addiction again, because it's, um, uh, one psychologist once said, it's kind of a homesickness, because uh, as a teenager, there's a certain comfort in that. It's, it's sin, it's not healthy, all of that, but there's a comfort, there's a pleasure in that. And often, um, uh, people that are addicted, pornography, alcohol, 
drugs, other things, um, when they return to them, they're returning home. It's a homesick. They're returning home to what is a feeling of, um, is what's known to them. I was a jail chaplain for 10 years in my Protestant years, and the women who were released from jail, they were back in three, four months because it was home to them, or they were back living under a, a bridge. Uh, and their children were taken from them because it's the pain that they know and they go back to it. It's home, it's destruction, but it's what they know and it's a twisted form of um, a psychology. It's a twisted form of help, but there's there's a com- personal comfort and pleasure in that. So, Christine, I just looked up, it's the end of our program, we don't have time, but I just typed into a search engine Uh, If you have a pen, write this down. Catholic help for husbands' pornography addiction. Catholic, make sure you have the word Catholic. Catholic help for husbands' pornography addiction. And there is one site after another, all Catholic and all excellent. And they will help you to help yourself and to help him. Only with love. Okay, only with love. Don't, you don't want him to feel sorry for you. You want to have uh, um, empathy and comfort for him. Be a heroic wife in this matter, Christine. All right, sweetheart. I'm sorry. It's the end of the program. We'll speak, we'll speak with you tomorrow. Okay, God bless you. Mm-hmm.